we can be there for those who uh, have been in the hospital. And Miss Dora was there this past week, and Miss B was there as well, and uh, we're able to pray over them. Uh, but going to visit a new baby in the hospital, man, there's just nothing like it. The, the smell of a baby, you know, they just, anyway, I could go, we're not having another one, so don't even, <laughs> don't even think. But I will say this, um, moms and dads out there, husbands and wives out there, uh, we're, we're kind of ro- um, running a little, little low on our baby stock back in the nursery. <laughs> I'll just leave it there, okay? We are. We're, Mama Lee, we're running a little low on the baby stock. It's, it's, we need to, you know, be fruitful. That's biblical right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. So... I see a lot of shaking heads out there, too. They're like, mm-mm, no, we're done. We're done with all that. So we probably should go on today. We are going to continue in our series um, that we're doing for Christmas. I am excited about Christmas Eve next year, uh, next week. We're going to have next year, too. We're, play, we're ready for next year. Uh, next week, uh, as Dean said, we have a 9 o'clock and a 1045 service. So um, family communion, as we normally do on the Christmas Eve when it's at night services, so we'll have that, a few songs that we're going to do. I'll have a very brief message. Our um, elementary age kids will be in here with us, and so um, that's the reason, one of the reasons why we're doing two services, and uh, you know, God is just blessing abundant life. We have been saying this a lot lately too. We're praying in 2018, the beginning, even now we're starting, but God, what are you, what are you, what are you doing in us? Where what are, we, what are we supposed to do? Are we going to two services? Are we, you know, what do we need to do? We just know, as even Joanne uh, said last week, that we have to make room for what God is doing. God is bringing in folks, and I am so thankful for that. And she made the comment that even in our own homes, we make room for our Christmas trees. You guys, I can't wait till January the 1st because you'll be able to see Mike playing the guitar again back here. <laughs> But we make room for, and you'll be able to see Nate if you're on this side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we make room for these things because we make room for Jesus, and um, we make for, room for Him in our lives. And so we're going to make room for people. So we'll keep praying. More details will come out as far as the fasting and prayer that we'll do at the beginning of the year. But what child is this? At Christmas time, Christians celebrate Emmanuel, who is God with us. That's what we have been talking about. Uh, the Jewish people, we've said this, they were long awaiting their Messiah. They were under some serious oppression from the Romans. And um, not only that, they were under oppression because of their sin. Um, what they were having to do was, you know, when, when there is sin between man and God, there has to be a blood sacrifice. That's the way it was set up uh, when Adam and Eve sinned. And so every year they were having to bring a sacrifice to the temple uh, to atone for their sin. But that's what the Messiah was going to do. He was going to do away with those yearly sacrifices because only the blood of a perfect lamb who was the son of God would take away the sin of the world. And so that repetition wouldn't have to happen. Now, yes, repetition, as we said last Sunday, we on a daily basis need to ask for forgiveness. We need to live a life of repentance. You know, last Sunday was one of those messages that's not the most comfortable to hear, and it's definitely not the most comfortable to preach. But we need to be aware of the sin that's in our life and repent of that because Jesus made a way to where we don't have to live under condemnation as the Jewish people did who were waiting on their Messiah. So why did Jesus come? Uh, last week we saw he came to destroy the, the, the work of the devil. Today we want, us, we want to look at this, that he serves the helpless. 
And when you think of helpless, what, what do you think of? Let, let's get some feedback today. We haven't done this in a while, but when you think of someone who's helpless, what do you think of? Babies, orphan and widows, the sick, the weak, the homeless. Did you say something? Broken hearted. Yeah, there's all kind of folks that we think of who are helpless. Here's what we're going to see today. At one point in our life, everyone in here was helpless. Because of the sin that, that we were born into and that we, uh, that we lived in uh, at times. But all of us, Jesus came to serve the helpless. As our theme says for the year, uh, this has been our theme, is we're going to pursue. We're going to pursue God. We're going to pursue people, the things of God. And this core value, we have six core values at Abundant Life. We're taking a sermon series to go over every single one of the core values. This is the last one. We exist to tell people about Jesus. We exist to lead others to Jesus. That's what we're all about uh, in our lives. I heard um, uh, this, this past week, Eric, you don't mind me sharing this little quick little thing, do you? This past week, um, Eric sent me a text. And, um, you know, Eric's been uh, here for uh, a little bit now, but fairly, you know, he's, he's discovering things in the Lord and fairly new. Uh, but he says, you know, Pastor David, he said uh, in this text, he said, God has been using me lately. He said, um, he's been bringing me to you know, one of the areas where Eric had, has overcome was alcohol. He overcame that. God is now sending him people to minister to. And he said, I have one guy that I was ministering to. And he said, so I was in service one day and I started to pray and I felt all tingly. <laughs> I love how you put that. I don't remember exactly how you had it in the text. But you said, I kind of felt all tingly and I said, okay, Lord, send me someone else. Well, now Eric is ministering to his third person in like a month or something like that, to Jesus. Wow. I mean, that is amazing what has happened. I'm believing you're going to be able to lead some of them to Jesus as well. You're, you're, you're talking to them now through that, but uh, we'll, you'll be able to reap the harvest uh, through that. We exist to lead others to Jesus. Jesus serves the helpless. So addiction, that you've, I, I, you know, if you've ever faced an addiction, man, it almost feels like there's a helplessness even a hopelessness that is there. But Jesus came to free the captives is what he did. Amen. Thank you, God, for that. So we're going to connect Christmas and the purpose of his people going, just like Eric has been doing, and many of you have been doing. I'm just using Eric's example today. Like many of us have been doing as we serve other people. Our, if you want to go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 10, we're going to be reading verses uh, 35 through 45, but I want us to pay special attention to Mark 45, 1045, where it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. So as we're reading through this, we're building up to that last verse, okay? Everybody good with that? Mark 10, 35. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they're a couple of his disciples, came over and spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request? Jesus asked. They replied, When you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left hand. 
Now that seems a little bit forward, doesn't it? They knew that Jesus had come. He was going to be king of kings. Uh, Jesus had told them that. They knew that he was the Messiah. And when he finally you know, sat down and had conquered death, hell, and the grave, they said, can we be in places of honor beside of you? You know, you can almost, they're straightening out their robes. And can, can we be those guys who sit by you there? But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? He was referring to the cross here. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had requested, they were indignant. I guess so, right? Rightfully so. What do you mean asking for the places of honor? So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. They oppress them, make them worship them. And the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. In verse 43, But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be, ser not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Wow. Jesus was turning the tables on what it was to be great, wasn't he? If you want to be great, you have to serve. If you want to be great, it's not this matter of you know, making sure everything's in order and you're ruling over people. You serve them, is what he was saying. In Christendom, we often focus our service to Jesus. How can we serve Jesus? In just a moment, we're going to be praying over these grocery uh, bags that we have. We're going to come back at 2.30 and we're going to distribute them down Foursquare Road and um, this road right over here whatever the name of that one is, and uh, pray for our neighbors. We do this four times a year. Quarterly, we do this, and we've done this for about four years now, Matt. Um, and so they're kind of expecting us to come. They get a little bit excited when we show up to the door, not because we give, us, give these things. As a matter of fact, I would say almost half of them, we encourage, if you don't need this food, Give it to someone who does. Be a blessing to someone else. So we have uh, food here, enough for a Christmas meal. We have a gift card on each one so they can go out and buy, you know, the, the, the ham or the turkey or whatever it is they're going to have with it. And uh, so, so that's what we do. We go out um, and we think, I'm serving Jesus in this way. And that's a good thing, okay? But I want us to redirect just a moment. We also must recognize and fully grasp the fact that Jesus came to serve his people. I think more about how I can serve Jesus than the fact that he came to serve me. So let's open this up and see what it's talking about here. What does it even mean? Lord, help me understand this. What did Jesus mean when he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve? So we're going to, as, as we just did, we're, we're starting with that last portion of the scripture. And I want us to look this morning, if you're taking notes, at five reasons why Jesus came. The, the title of this series is, What Child Is This? Who is this that, that, even, that is even here? But five reasons why Jesus came. Well, we know he, gave, he came to give his life as a ransom for many. But first of all, Jesus came to suffer. 
the father said, hey, you ready? Ready for what? Ready to suffer? Yes, because he knew the end game. But Jesus came to suffer. He calls himself the son of man. Jesus did because he wanted to identify with us. Jesus is known by a couple different names in the New Testament, uh, son of God and son of man. But he refers to himself as the son of man more often. Why is that? He wanted to identify. Even though Jesus was without sin, he was still tempted just like you and I. But he was able to overcome the sin. So he calls himself the son of man so that he can identify. And he knew that us in our sinful state, that he would have to die on the cross in order to bring fellowship between us and the Father again. That's the plan of salvation. That's the whole purpose of salvation. Jesus came to take my place. The wages of sin is what? Death. Jesus came to die so that I could live eternally in heaven with the Father. We understand that uh, who've been in church for a while. And if you're new to this, that's the gospel message. Mark 8.31 says this, Then Jesus began to tell his disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, and that he would be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, church people, and the teachers of religious law, he would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. Jesus knew that he came to suffer. And because he loved us so much, he came. Isn't that a beautiful message? That a friend was so, or that the Son of God was so willing to bring a relationship between us and the Father that he says, I'm willing to die for you. He came to suffer. He knew what he was getting into, and he chose to come. He predicts this three different times just from chapter 8 to chapter 10. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Here's the kicker. Uh, the Father even knew. I want you to listen to these texts very clearly, okay? They'll be up on the screen, but I want you to listen. Isaiah 53.10 says this, but it was the Lord's good plan. It was the Father's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Isaiah 53, 11, the end, end of that, the very next verse. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, when God sees, when the Father sees all that is accomplished by Jesus' anguish, the Father will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant, Jesus, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Why did it satisfy the father to sacrifice and cause his son to suffer? Because he knew that many people would be called to righteousness. Many people would come to know Jesus. Many people would be saved, as we call it, and spend eternity in heaven with him. What a better message than that. So he was willing to cause his son to suffer for our behalf. Here's what he knew, though, on the third day after he was crucified. Now we're getting into Easter right now. <laughs> on the third day, he would rise again. He would overcome death, guaranteeing the fact that we overcome death. Sin cannot hold us. Because Jesus suffered and took my place. That's a message of hope. That's a message of peace. That's a message of love that the starring shared with us today with the lighting of the candle.
Another reason Jesus came. He came to save. He came to free the slaves. That word has such a horrible, horrible, horrible meaning. Especially when you think about not just our history, but when you think about around the world. Slavery is, and it goes on today, human trafficking and all those different things that, that go along with that. The history that we have experienced. But Jesus came to free the slaves. In this case, slaves of sin and bondage or a hostage situation. Slavery is horrible. It unwillingly or it willingly puts people in a position of service that they have no choice. They cannot get out of it. They can't be human beings. Sin does that to humankind. We are put in a position that we cannot escape from but for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. He came to save. I want you to think about that for a moment. To free the slaves, sin and bondage, a hostage situation. That phrase that we read, he came to give his life a ransom for many. Now we think about this. Yeah, Jesus came for me. But that phrase there in the, in the language, in the text that's original, it means in the place of. So Jesus came to die in the place of Doug. Jesus came to die in the place of Debbie. Jesus, you fill in your name there. In the place of, to give his life as a ransom for David. He took our place. So, to give his life in, as a ransom in the place of many who deserved death. We were held hostage in slavery to sin. And Jesus came to free us. That's why he came. What child is this? He is the one who, not only did he come to suffer... But that suffering and that death would bring about the second point, he came to save. Which leads us right into point number three, he came to be our substitute. We've touched on this. We deserve death. Jesus took our place, which is what we just said. He gave his life a ransom for many. He stood in our place. And I'm telling you, that is good news. Now the Bible does say that it is appointed for man once to die. But for the believer, after that is the resurrection to eternal life. That is, core, that is a core essential belief in our faith. That is a core essential teaching from the Bible, the resurrection. So the, the question is, Jesus came to be our substitute. Am I willing to accept that sacrifice that he made upon the cross to die for my sins? He is my substitute so that I can spend eternity forever. This sounds a lot like the gospel message because it is, right? It is. It's the gospel message. He's our substitute. It's good news. Point number four, he came to show us how to live. And we're going to spend uh, a little bit more time on these last two points here. But he came to show us how to live. I love it how whenever you're making notes and things like this, notice how everything starts with an S. Kind of helps you remember a little bit. He came to suffer. He came to save. He came to substitute. And he came to show us how to live. We're going to really tackle this whole idea of Jesus came to serve us. What does it mean to be a servant and a slave of all? See, James and John, they were looking for personal gain in God's kingdom. Jesus turned the tables, told them they had to serve. 
And most of the disciples ultimately would die for the sake of the gospel. I think all of them but one were martyred for the sake of the gospel. They died because of their faith, uh, history teaches us. Jesus came to show us how to do these things. Their life was a life that was poured out for the gospel. And you know, here's the reality. Just as Jesus asked the disciples to totally pour out their life for the sake of the gospel, he asked us to do the same thing. We're disciples of Jesus today. You may be a disciple at a race shop. You may be a disciple at your own business. You may be a disciple uh, here or there in your neighborhood, in your home. But you're a disciple and you have been called on to follow the example of Jesus. You may have to suffer from persecution, uh, but the message that you bring is to save people by Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. Uh, and, and your life also, as you, as you pattern your life after Jesus, you show others how to live, just like Eric. He says, you see what I went through? Here's how I got through it. And here's how you can be set free. Jesus came to show us as well. Serving Jesus was never intended to be an easy ride. And I know that there's a gospel out there that talks about if you just give your life to Jesus, it's roses, it's morning sunshine, and yes, Jesus makes life sweeter but it doesn't take away things. How many of you have suffered recently in your health? How many of you have suffered because of situations in your family? You know what the difference is? You have someone, you have the Holy Spirit who comes alongside and says, yea, though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil. For I am with you. I will guard you. I will keep you. And we have this hope. I attended two funerals yesterday. And one of them, you all know about Sister Burris, who was, she and her husband were the uh, district supervisors for 18 years. And what an amazing story of a life of, of a man and a woman. But after her husband died, she lived 16 more years, who would follow Jesus. She found her own niche. She began to serve people. What, what an amazing story of that. But anyway, um, life was not easy for them. Serving Jesus costs but she was willing to commit. At the end of my life, I want people to be able to say that he was willing to lay down his life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how he did that was by serving people. Don't you want that to be your uh, obituary as well? They serve people well. It's all about love. Loving God, loving people as we love ourselves. Having faith in God, having faith in the impossible, and having faith in people who may not have come to Jesus yet, having faith that they can come to Jesus one day. And it's about reaching out into our community to do that. Amen. Recently, uh, a teenager showed up at our church during a wedding ceremony. What was that, like three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago when uh, Ralphie and, and Kay's wedding? And she was homeless. She was 18 years old, and she was living at an abandoned house that several people stay at, right down here. Um, and she showed up to, Melody was here earlier that morning, and um, anyway, she came back, and she said, I need, I need help. And here's where I had to repent 
Because the church, in a sense, and by church I'm talking, you know, just in our own thinking of how you treat people who are homeless, but we've almost been conditioned to say, well, they're, they're that way for a reason. They, they've, they've made choices that have got them there. So what's our role in all of this? What are we supposed to do? But I was so proud of the wedding party, and I was so proud. I called the elders and I, uh, the council, the, the financial council, and I said, look, here's the situation there's a shelter that's available, but not till now. Can we put her in a hotel until Monday? And this was a Friday night. So two nights of a hotel, can, can we do that? And every one of them that I talked to was like, yes. There was an understanding there that, you know, we have to do something. This was an unusual situation, but I want you to hang on to this illustration for a moment. The gospel changes everything when it comes to this thought. How is that? There was a time where you and I chose to remain in sin. But Jesus kept pursuing. He said, I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you die. You may be wallowing in homeless right now, homelessness right now. You may be wallowing in alcoholism right now. You may be wallowing whatever your sin is, whatever your situation of life but I am not going to leave you there. And Jesus came to show us the way to say, you know what? You cannot leave people where they are. I have come to show you, to reach out. When they have made, so what if they've made a decision? Yes, we have to be wise. There are people who will take the church for a ride. I, I understand that. There were people who will take you for a ride, okay? Besides all that, when God says, I want you to reach out to the least of these, we do it. Into that story real quick. I don't want to leave, leave us hanging on that <laughs> with, with what happened to the girl. So we're, Stasha and I, we left the wedding and the, the reception is down the street. So um, we're going to take this girl to the hotel. We take her by and get her some food she hadn't eaten and uh, she was hungry. So, um, But anyway, meantime, we get a call from the Statesville shelter. We can take her. So we looked at her and we said, look, this is probably the best scenario for you because they'll be able to help you with job training, all these different things. She got so happy that she was going to a homeless shelter. We got there and we got out of the car and we had to, you know, we had to run on down. But the guy said, have you eaten? And she said, yes, these, these people, you know, they bought me some food and everything. And the guy said, are you still hungry? She said, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, oh, man, that messes with me. <sighs> So anyway, they, they took her in. We carried her three bags that she had. And so they're working with her right now because there was a group of people at a wedding. There was a group of people. We were able to represent Abundant Life that said, we're not going to give up on you. There may be a reason that you're homeless, but for this moment right now, we've got to figure out how to get you out of this situation. That is what Jesus did for me and you when we were suffering and we were saying, you know what, God, not yet. Not yet. I'm going to wait. But Jesus pursued and he showed us the way. Isn't that a beautiful story? And can I even pray this? God, send us more of those situations to where we may be scratching our head and saying, God, is this the time to give? And without question, we say, duh. <laughs> At the same time, yes, Lord, give us wisdom. But I want to be like Jesus. And it doesn't just have to be an abundant life thing. God is going to bring people across your path this Christmas season 
What are you going to do about it? Honey, what are we going to do about it? The gospel changes everything. Never give up on people. Serve even when it's not logical. Finally, Jesus came to serve us. And this is how we're going to see how this all works out. While it seems simple, let's look closely. And I want you to hear me out, okay? Because you're going to hear me say some things. You're going to be like, what? Jesus is our servant. What? Let me show you how. He wants to wait on you, and he wants to serve you. I don't think of it this way very often, but it's why Jesus came. Verse 45 tells me that. Okay? Jesus is our servant. What does it mean? Well, let's first of all look at what it does not mean. It does not mean we tell Jesus what to do. Anybody ever tried that before? <laughs> Lord, I think this would work out great. It don't work too good, does it? Because he says things like this, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and you're thinking, yeah, he created me, he created the universe, so I'm sure he probably has a better handle on it than I do. So it is not telling Jesus what to do. But he does say things like this, ask, according to my will, and it will be given to you. Jesus gives us what we need I'm going to put this in parentheses because we're going to get to this in order to serve him better. Okay, Jesus gives us what we need. He serves us. It does mean when Jesus is our servant, it does mean we cannot do what Jesus is asking us to do without him enabling us to do so. Within myself, I would have been like, well, why are you homeless? Go get a job. First of all, think how harsh that sounds without knowing her situation. I still don't know her situation. I just know what we were sensing the Lord said to do at that moment. I cannot serve others the way he wants me to without Jesus enabling me. I cannot selflessly serve this way in my own strength. I'm too selfish. But because of the Holy Spirit, he comes in and he says, David, we need to work on that heart issue that you have. Be selfless. Follow my example. I came to serve you, and I came to empower you so that you can do it. See how this is working out? Let's get to this. We are Jesus' servants, okay? So he is our servant, but we are Jesus' servants. What it does not mean, and I want you to listen very closely. We're about to wrap this up, but listen very closely. This does not mean that Jesus needs our aid or the job won't get done. He'll find someone else to do the job, okay? In other words, if it wasn't for me, the job wouldn't get done. We can tend to think that. Jesus gives me life. He gives me breath. He gives me the food to run on so that I can do his will. So yes, Jesus does not need my aid, but he does want that. He does want us to serve him. As a matter of fact, God himself, the Bible teaches this, God himself makes his name great. He does. Look outside. Look at nature. Have you ever seen a photograph and you're just like, wow, God is so amazing. We love going to the beach, you know. And on my, matter of fact, on my phone, I have just this beautiful photograph that I got from the beach. You can't see it from back there. Isn't that beautiful? 
the sunrise over the water. You can't see it. Go to my Facebook page, you'll see it. But there are things about God that cause me just to go, wow, you are so amazing. And nobody had to lead me into that. However, God does want to use us so that we bring glory to his name, right? It's not a need that's there. So I, I want to bring that point. Here's what it does mean, though, when we are Jesus' servants. We submit to his authority. When he says go, we go. When he says give, we give. And when he says stay, we stay. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And here's what I want to encourage you with. Trust Jesus to serve you. What do I mean by that? Trust Jesus to give you everything that you need to accomplish the will that he has for your life. You need a little bit more grace to deal with people. God will give it. This is from earlier this morning. I'm, not going, to po- I'm, going, to, I'm going to point to myself on this. Well, no, I, yeah, yeah, I'll point to this. You need a little bit more grace for God to help you deal with your teenagers and kids. God will give it. You need a little more grace to deal with your spouse. God will give it. You need a little bit more grace to understand people better. Lord, will you give me your grace so that I can understand? You know, Matt shouldn't be in the situation that he's in. I don't trust him any further than I can throw him. But God, give me the grace to minister to my brother. God will give you the grace that you need to do his will. That's how Jesus serves us. On Wednesday night, we're talking about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. There are all kinds of different gifts in this room. Some of you are big-time givers. Some of you, because you know, you're not for whatever reason, but you're gifted in another area. And when the body of Christ comes together, we function like the church has called the, the, the body to function together. What we brought out on, on, Sunday, on Wednesday night was this, where you have maybe the extreme givers and then you have the administrative people. You know, the extreme givers, without being tempered by the Holy Spirit, may want to give everything away. Then you're left with absolutely nothing. And maybe God said, don't give in that situation, but you did anyway. Then you have the administrator over here who thinks, well, what's, what's the execution plan on this? But you bring these two together. And we're accomplishing the will of the Lord. I love our financial counsel, by the way, because of that very reason. You know, that's why we have six people on the, on the financial counsel. Because finances are a very spiritual issue. Your money is very closely tied to your heart. I worked hard for that. I mean, this is not a, mon- this is not a, a sermon about money, okay? But it's the easiest thing to talk about when it comes to this. Trust God to serve you. Trust God to show you when to give. Trust God when to, to show you when to be hospitable. Trust God to show you uh, when to love. Trust God to, sh- to, show you, to show you when to show tough love, even. Trust Him to take away your sin. Trust Him to take away your guilt. That's a hard one for believers, right? But I still remember what I did. Trust God. He came to take that away. Let Him take it. Man, I'm carrying something really heavy, and somebody wants to come along and help me carry that thing. I want to do the manly thing. No, I got it. It's all good. You know, another example of this was this week. Uh, I had a little ticking that was going on in my truck. 
it was on and off, and I took it to Jerry's, and it wasn't ticking, and then took it to Jerry's again, and it was ticking, and so he's crawling up, he's back there, he's crawling up, he's like on top of my motor listening, you know, I'm thinking, please don't fall in, I don't want to mess up my motor, please don't. <laughs> he's listening, and here's what he could have said, oh, this is going to cost you a lot of money, I'm going to enjoy a great vacation next year, this is what we need to do, but he said, is this thing still under warranty? <laughs> you need to take it to the Chevy dealership. See, he could have made some serious personal gain there. Jerry, that means you love me. Oh, you love Stasha, right? You didn't want to take her money. Okay, all right, that's fine. No, no problem. But that's what we do as the body of Christ. When there's an issue, when there's a burden that we're carrying, we come alongside and we help them with that. By the way, Sherry Bankhead, the former pastor of the church, works there. She said the problem with the truck was there was a loose nut behind the wheel. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I got it. Here's talking about you. You're the loose nut behind the wheel. Jesus, I need you. I need you to service, to help me recognize how to do your will, how to do your service, and enable me to be obedient. Jesus, I need you. Every time Jesus calls you to do something for the kingdom, he is showing you how he wants you to serve. If God presents you with a situation this week, he's showing you, hey, I'm about to serve you. Because I'm going to give you the strength that you need. I'm going to give you the resources that you need. I'm going to give you the grace that you need to meet that need. He came to serve us. But Lord, I can't do that. You're not letting Jesus serve you. When you catch yourself saying, Lord, that's not for me. And you're arguing. When you're arguing, realize it's not like voices going on. You're, you're talking to God at that moment. How do I know if I'm hearing from God? If you start an argument in your head. Right? Am I right with that? This afternoon, we have an opportunity, and I realize not everybody's going to be able to do this, so here's how we're going to get the whole church involved with our hello neighbor. And I want a lot of you to come out, by the way, if you can, at 2.30. We're going to, at this moment, we're going to pray over these bags. Now, there's some back around the Christmas tree as well, but Dean's going to come up, Dean and Rachel, they're going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a prayer over these bags. Now, this is for a very practical thing that we're doing this afternoon with re reaching out to our neighbors, but I also want this to be very symbolic. As we're praying that as these gifts are distributed, that this week our gifts would be distributed to those who need to hear about Jesus this week. Can we do that? Let's go ahead and stand. Dean, come on up. I know you've got a couple things that you want to share, but we can stand while you're doing that. Dean's going to pray over this. He and Rachel are going to be available to pray with you after the service. Um, if you need anything at all, if you need salvation, Dean, if you want to talk about that, people coming to Jesus today, we need to do that as well. Stasha and I will be at the back uh, to love you on the way out. So, yeah, if you'll lead that, okay. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for your word, Pastor. What a, what a good word that touched every one of our hearts, I believe, in this morning. Uh, guys, we have a tremendous opportunity to, to reach out to our neighbors to uh, show the love of Jesus. You know, we at Abundant Life Church believe that we, that we are uh, going to equip people, that we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, and to empower. A lot of us say, man, you're going to go door to door, and man, that's just not my comfort zone. 
are you arguing with God in your head just as pastors? Yeah, is that something that you know you're you're feeling in your heart? People need to hear the good news of the gospel. It, I encourage you guys. These guys know that we're we're coming. This is a very safe place to come share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come. We, we have men and women that are going to be here that have done this time and time again. And we want to be here to encourage you to, to knock on the door and, and to pray for these people. They, they love it. They love to see us come. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I got a question for you. But how will they call on him whom they've not believed? How will they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How will they hear unless someone tells them? Are you willing to tell someone about Jesus today? The words says, how will anybody tell them unless they're sent? I'm here to tell you, church, you are sent. You're sent. The simple gospel message is this. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. We celebrate Christmas because of this. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He willingly came to earth to die for my sins and for your sins. He died upon that cross, and three days later, he rose again from the dead, therefore verifying everything that he said and everything that he taught is true. That's the simple message. So guys, let's take this message everywhere we go. Let's pray for our neighbors. And I, I encourage you guys, please come. You'll be blessed. I know some of you are going, ah, that's not for me. It is. It is for you. Stretch your hands forward. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your grace, Lord. We thank you that we have the ability to give, to, to show love to our neighbors. Lord, your word says that, that they will know that you are my disciples for the love that you have for one another. Lord, may this be an example of the love that we have, the love that, that you have, that you came and died and rose again for us. Lord, I pray that you'll stir each and every one of our hearts to be about your business, to go and proclaim the good news of the gospel, to speak truth, to speak it in love. And may it be done for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And y'all are dismissed.